0: i To it and embrace the place it has in my heart, and that is why I am here today, sharing this with you. Thank you for joining me. You can find all show notes at MichelleJohnston.net and follow me on Instagram at ArriterInItaly. Indeed, the lure of Italy as the ultimate muse. Welcome to episode 17 and another share from my Armchair Traveller series on Italy. In fact, this is a dive into the possibilities if looking for an Italian escape of sorts. It is not a challenge to meander in the world of books, film and podcasts while listening and cooking and getting my winter garden into some sort of order. I shared in the previous episode that I think there is a spiritual sustenance you can take from many places, particularly when you cannot get to a certain location. There are other options available in the short term. So here we go, endiamo. It is a wise thing to go through your library catalogue with a subject of your choice. Yes, I pick Italy, and in my little search of the catalogue found myself a book aptly titled A Month in Siena. By Hisham Matar, a Pulitzer Prize-winning sort of writer, whom became infatuated, or dare I say, possessed by the art of Duccio di Buonunsegna and the Sienese School of Painting. I remember the work well, having travelled to see this work in Siena myself. I like this book for the meditations on art and life, the past and the need to travel because of a yearning to know more, to understand. He says on the book's insert, "Siena began to occupy the sort of uneasy reverence the devout might feel towards Mecca or Rome or Jerusalem. I understand that feeling. Even reading the first chapter, I could tell it would be a book that I will return to. Sometimes you can tell from the outset, a feeling, a sense of possibility, a sense of transcendence within a page, within a sniff of the tidy little volume, an orange cover with a cryptic black and white photo on the cover. Perhaps an intuition, perhaps a flight of fancy, yet perhaps a photograph that doesn't quite reek of a Sienese landscape, but perhaps a detour, a wander beyond the perfect shell-shaped piazza that Siena is known for. No muted tones of a still brown landscape and hills beyond, no cream nor tangerine light to evoke a memory or a want, just a place Beyond the square, you once walked alone on a day like no other. Yes, this is a reference to my CNA episode. For weeks, I have contemplated this podcast, the second addition to my experience and knowing as an armchair traveller. Perhaps this will be the new normal for a while, who knows? So yes, I have been contemplating books, films, podcasts, all that reminds me and fulfills in a series of soliloquies of an Italian kind. Sometimes I don't know. Does Italy live in my imagination or in my heart, in the past or the future? I guess in truth, all of these places. I sit with this book and I think back to Jumpa Lahiri, her book, in other words, another book I found on the library shelf. In this beautiful publication, she chronicles her experience of learning Italian and then moving her family to Florence to devote herself to full immersion in the Italian language. I remember this book well, as I jotted some notes in a blank book to remind me. Now I cannot find it in the library catalogue, as for some reason it is gone. I know I looked a few months ago. Yet her words echo on the page. I quote, In the face of everything that seems to me unattainable, I marvel. Without a sense to marvel at thing, without wonder one can't create anything. End of quote. I write that and I reread her words I jotted down, I guess a year ago, maybe two. It seems interesting to me because I think when I travel from home, whether it be looking at a book, a visual image, or reading a page, or watching a film, it is to transcend some normality, some routine gesture that has become too simple. And yes, I crave routine on some level, don't we all? But these moments when you feel a place reverberating inside of you waking you up even talking to you in your sleep sometimes this happens to me i have dreamt of cookbooks this week i don't know why but i've got the amaretto cake haunting me from a table in venice well the thing is to feel that wonder keeps the mystery alive i cannot travel right this minute but i can breathe deep the feeling of inspiration that lives inside of me i can look at my house this beautiful place we have created here. Italy has found its way to me whether I like it or not. The art on our walls, the Florentine dinner set my mum once bought me more than 20 years ago, the leather bag I wear daily, the watery lagoon of Venice that Richard has framed in our dining room, the food I create to keep our family humming and happy in their wellness. It all trickles along a moment in time. Why try to explain it I don't feel I need to anymore. It makes no sense for me to start this podcast. It makes no sense for me to share the inner life. But who said everything had to make sense? And who said we had to wrap it up in a neat little bow? I share this because when you have a moment in a basilica and tears well in your eyes, even though you do not know why, when you walk out of the train station and the Grand Canal is just there, it has been waiting for you all along. You feel alive nothing else matters in that instant except perhaps finding a tissue to wipe your tears except perhaps to laugh and simply marvel each time i meditate upon something here that has brought me joy and light that alone is the gift you get on with your day but you know deep inside of you there is a little place that lives a part of you that you cherish and a future unknown to create Places to discover in Italy. That was only released a year ago, so she has been busy over the past few years exploring the 20 regions of Italy. That would explain why this book is huge. In fact, it makes you feel a little giddy to embark on it as a reader and someone with their eye on Italy. There is so much to see in this 400-page volume; it actually hurts. I feel physical sensations when I open this book: awe, excitement. Overwhelm, grief, right now this is a common feeling. Inspiration, love, need, want. For Italy does bring out the dreamer. The back cover suggests there are 350 photographs to wander into or escape if necessary. The publication is a tome from National Geographic America and celebrates all that Italy has to offer. The nuances, the off the beaten track places one can explore and the idiosyncratic possibilities of many, many cities and villages you may have never known about nor dreamt of. Frances Mays is good at getting to the heart of the place. She has an eye for detail and a personal reverence to the landscape she has called home for over 20 years. What both writers have discovered, whether it be the local custom, the artwork worth seeing, the wine you must try, or the writer who once lived there, all is shared, savoured, and explored. I love the little details on the films, the legends who live or work there, the artists and the local people who make that particular region worth your attention. It makes sense that two people would share this journey dotting all over the boot of Italy to explore and sample. What Mays and her sidekick a New York Times travel writer, Ondine Kahan have given us is a Bible of Italian possibilities. Compare it to the Colosseum, large and powerful. Compare it to the Grand Canal, poetic and mesmerizing compare it to your aunt's favorite trattoria satisfying and real compare it to whatever you want this book is a generous companion to anyone's journey whether you can get there or not and maybe now we don't need to go we have this book to fall into one sweet chapter at a time all is celebrated and revealed So, on a more recent note, I took to Netflix to see what it had to offer on Italian culture. I was grateful to see that Franca, Chaos and Creation was still there on the list. This is a documentary of Franca Sozani, the editor of Italian Vogue. I watched it again on a Sunday afternoon, happy to surrender to the couch as the light is short, sitting early in the day. I love a fashion documentary as fashion in truth was my first true love and this film is significant. There are two things at work here that I am going to share in the world of film. On a more recent note, I discovered on SBS the eight-part series Made in Italy, which at first I thought was a bit of fun, but really turned out to be a fascinating look at life in Milan in the mid-1970s. This is a captivating look at women coming into themselves amongst the political dramas and the harsh realities of change, anarchy and possibility in Italy 45 years ago. Irene Angelo lives with her parents in a small apartment. Her dad, a hard-working factory worker from the south, who just wants her to finish her degree and get a normal job as a secretary. Having to make some money, she falls into a job at the fashion magazine, Appeal. A new world starts to open up to her. Style, fashion, travel, sexual freedom, and the world of journalism tap her on the shoulder as her boyfriend just wants her to say yes to a marriage proposal and live a conventional life and of course make babies in the heart of Milan. Made in Italy chronicles the rise in Italian fashion and Milan as the epicenter of design and style. Sure, there is a bit of fiction woven around the characters, yet you do get a taste of how it was for the times and the designers and the evolution of Italian style in the 1970s. Yet, I did segue into this show for a reason, Made in Italy is dedicated to Franca Sozani, the editor-in-chief of Italian Vogue for 30 years. She sadly died in 2016. The documentary Chaos and Creation came out a year later, and is the ultimate gaze into the world she created that her only son, Francesco Corazzini, documented over a period of time. He interviews her throughout the montage of images, trying to understand her need for independence beyond society's norms. Playing the role of mother was not her interest nor it appears her vocation. Work was central in her life and sentimentality non-existent. Strotsani was the ultimate provocateur, in fact, and an instigator of change. She did not take no for an answer and meticulously followed her own set of rules at how this Condé Nast publication was going to play out. Strotsani used her position as the editor-in-chief as a platform to tackle big subjects in the media like the sea and oil disaster at the time drug and domestic abuse even plastic surgery the clothes were the armor and the vehicle for a bigger message love it or hate it one thing that struck me watching was the realization that the images in the magazine had to transcend on many levels italian is really only spoken in italy it is not like english nor french for this reason, the magazine had to stand up on a global platform. It had to perform on many levels. Many people are not going to be able to read it, so the images had to go beyond the words and the captions. Strazzani risked losing her job every day, expecting it might be imminent with each publication. Strozzani was not afraid of controversy nor confrontation. There was no looking back, only forward. She suggests in the film, everything turns, life starts new every day. This is a fascinating look into another world. What Carozzini, her son, created was not only art, but a moment in time, a legacy beyond words. As the image of them wandering along the Seine in Paris lingers, her fragile figure at what was to be the end of her life, is an extraordinary thing. His conception and creation, perhaps the only thing he has left now, for the decision to make the documentary on his mother came about after the loss of his father, Wanting to know more, wanting to understand. Moving on and before I reveal my favourite Italian film that still makes me laugh, I did find a little hidden jewel in the sea of possible things to watch if you would like to excavate a deeper layer into Italian culture and tradition. Seriously, we could go on this journey forever. There are so many layers to say the least. Streaming on good old Netflix is another documentary called Coffee for All or in Italiano, Caffè Sospeso. Being a lover of all things coffee, I was intrigued. This is not rose-tinted glasses Italy, this is the real Italy behind closed doors. In fact, it is a part of every large city if you look beyond the facade of tourism and national monuments. Many years ago in Naples, a tradition of suspended coffee was a thing. The person who came in to buy their morning coffee would pay for two instead of one and there waiting for somebody with lesser means was a suspended coffee that the barista would decide for whom would need it throughout the day. The journey of coffee plays out with varying chapters and lifestyles. People needing a hand up with a social enterprise, giving opportunity to troubled teenagers training as baristas, a woman in New York discovering her father's unique coffee maker in boxes after his death, and returning to Campania, she shares her story around the family traditions of coffee, a writer in Buenos Aires and his Italian traditions. The social significance of meeting for coffee, sharing coffee, Writing in cafes, a place to rest and reinvigorate, a place to feel less lonely in the world. A cafe does not isolate you, it immerses you in its surroundings, says the writer Martin Mahara. Watching this coffee for all reminded me of Howard Schultz, the CEO of Starbucks. It was when he found himself in Italy on a work-related trip for Starbucks in the early days when it was just a coffee roasting house that he discovered the culture of coffee. He saw that having a coffee out in a cafe was a sense of occasion, a place to connect with community. It was about conversation and conviviality. The theater and the art of making coffee changed everything about his life. He wanted to create the third place at home in America. He knew this was something he could bring to the people The third place is something I once heard Nora Ephron, the great writer and force behind Julie and Julia and You've Got Mail talk about. How we all need a third place. We have our home, our work and our cafe or bar, perhaps to hang out. Ray Oldenburg wrote a book about it, The Great Good Place. So yes, there are many layers to the simple cappuccino when you look beyond the surface of things. 10 years ago, I discovered this film late one night, quite by accident, although it was the perfect remedy for a tired housewife who needed some quiet time to herself. I say that as I believe my youngest was about one and a half at the time. The film is called Penne e Chulipani, or Bread and Chulips. It is an Italian romantic comedy that at the time won about nine Academy Awards on release. Rosalba was on holiday with her husband and two sons when she found herself left behind at the truck stop as the family left on the bus without her. She decided to hitch a lift home to take advantage of a quiet house when she realized on the way she had never been to Venice. Rosalba serendipitously found herself a place to stay and even a job on the Venetian lagoon. Yet the family start to realise how useful she was to have around. And so begins the fun and the shenanigans to unearth where Rosalba, mother and wife, is hiding. Bread and Tulips is full of eccentric characters that will charm and make you smile. It really is the story of second chances and changing your life, something the director Silvio Sordini captured beautifully in this magical comedy set in the heart of Venice. So there we are, a little Italian escape of your own making, if in an escape sort of mood. I have discovered with this podcast that really Italy is a state of mind. On a personal note, it is mood winter here, and I have really enjoyed some lazy afternoons surrendering to these sweet pleasures. I am still cooking from bread is gold. Extraordinary meals with ordinary ingredients when the mood tamps. I have discovered so many wonderful ways to cook from this book. It has given me a lot more confidence around trying new things in the kitchen in fact. After nearly 50 recipes I have managed to create and share with my family, although some I admit I have even just made for myself for an understated lunch and that too has been a wonderful gift, to just slow down and enjoy cooking something in the middle of the day. Somehow these slow lunches have been the thing that have moved me the most. I think. Really, it is the discovery that the art of cooking is the beauty of the ingredients. And so I leave you with that today. All of the show notes and the details from this episode on The Armchair Traveller can be found on michellejohnston.net. On a little post-production note from this episode, The Armchair Traveller, Bringing Italy Home, Bread and Tulips won nine Italian Academy Awards and... Franca Chaos and Creation was released in 2016 not 2017. I would like to thank Richard Johnston for composing the music for this particular episode and marrying all of the parts I wanted to share today. I have decided to listen to Enchanted April as I deadhead all of the roses. I will need something to tempt the muse over the next week. Until next time, take care. Bye.